0: 45. It's going to be good tonight By many or by few Crickets, 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 crickets It's going to be good tonight By many or by few Right? Right? Are we, cor- are we correct here? Yes, we're going to have a good time tonight I realize a lot of people went on vacation Without us uh, They went camping without us uh, But it's going to be an awesome service Because I like you guys better than the ones that went camping. No I'm, no, I'm joking. Kind of. Don't tell myself that. But I'm glad you guys are here tonight. I'm glad you came tonight, and maybe next time they'll invite us on their vacation or their camp out. That would be nice. So we're going to have an awesome time tonight. i got a word for you. Uh, if you want to hear a word from the from the Lord tonight, and I feel like he gave me this specifically for our group, and I, actually, I might share this on Sunday also, uh, but Matthew 27 and verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. It says, Now from the sixth hour into the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 47, Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it on it and offered him to drink it. Verse 49, the rest said, leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah comes to save him. Verse 50, and when Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquakes and the rocks were split and graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. In verse 53, and coming out of the graves after the resurrection, they went to the holy city appeared to many 54 so when the centurion who was by was guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened they feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God truly this was the son of God but notice in verse 51 this is the key verse for tonight it says behold when, when Jesus gave up his spirit it said the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom now, let's look over at Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4, and we're going to read in verse 14. Hebrews 4, verse uh, 14. Now you guys can still respond. I realize people are on vacation. People are enjoying the wilderness without us. But you can respond in correct? I know you're still recovering from cancer, getting your voice back. But we're going to be a responding church. We're going to be a responding group. It's good practice on Thursday night, so you can respond to our pastor on Sundays and Tuesdays, right? So uh, we can respond, and let's respond tonight. Let's engage. Let's get in the Word of God together. Hebrews 4 and verse 14, it says, "...seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness." but he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Can I get amen in the house of God? One more verse before we get going here. Psalm 34 in verse 8. Psalm 34 in verse 8. Psalm 34 and verse 8, it says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed Bless is the man who trusts in Him. But notice it says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. So if you're taking notes tonight, the my message is, Presence, people. Presence, people. And tonight, I really want to talk about the presence of God. That's okay with you guys. Is that okay? You guys want to hear about that? Alright. Presence people. And tonight we're going to be talking about experiencing the presence of God. And you need to know this as a young person, because it'll help you the rest of your life, that if you just coming to church is just about you reading a book and taking notes and you know the doctrines, you know the teachings of what your church believes, you know what to say when people ask you questions. It's more than that, and that will only last so far. Because if you never experience the presence of God, your relationship with Him is going to be lacking, to say the least. And you know what? I, I feel sorry for churches that don't experience the presence of God like we do. And actually I have a lot of respect for people that maybe don't necessarily experience the presence of God like we do, and their faith is still strong. Now, we realize we walk by faith, and not by experience, and not by our feelings, but you can feel God. And for us to say you can never feel God or you can never experience God is telling yourself self short of what God can do in your life. And we need to never forget that, yes, we walk by faith, and yes, there's times that we don't feel God and we don't sense God's presence, but that doesn't mean He's ever left us or He's ever forsaken us. And we need to understand that we can experience God. We can feel God And His presence can be upon us so strong that not only we feel it, but the people around us experience the presence of God. How many believe that tonight? Anybody believe that? That you can be so full of the presence of God that things change just because you're there. It can happen. It's true. We know this by our legacy of faith, our heritage of faith, all the men and women of God who went before us. Some of these men and women of God, when they stepped in a room, people could feel God's presence. When they walked down the street, people could feel God's presence. When they went into their business, people could feel God's presence. God is not a respecter of persons. It's not like he's going to do it for these certain elite Christians and not for you. No, God can do it in your life if you expect it and you can be a presence person. A person that carries the presence of God. And that will change people's lives more than you arguing about the doctrines and teachings you believe. Now, you need to be intelligent on, w- on what you believe because there's a lot of ignorant Christians. That doesn't help anybody. But you need to know what you believe, but you need to have the presence of God with you. Because it's one thing to talk somebody, but it's different when they have an experience with God when they're with you. Because you can, you can argue stuff all day, but you can't argue an experience in the presence of God see that the presence of God should be enjoyed and should be felt. Now, we don't live by our feelings, but God will give us feelings and He'll let us feel His presence. And notice in Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see are feelings. They're senses. Meaning you can sense God. You can sense God, and when you do, your response will be, "Oh, taste this see that the Lord is good." It's a good experience, and actually, it's a more satisfying experience than you can ever receive on this planet. You know, I was reading some C.S. Lewis the other day, and he was talking about uh, people uh, being enjoying things that that are pleasures in this life. And there's nothing wrong with pleasure, or nothing wrong with things that that bring you some satisfaction, but he said all of those things are supposed to lead you to something deeper and greater. God doesn't care if you enjoy pleasure or things that satisfy you, but it should make you have an appetite for something that will really satisfy you. And he gave you those things to enjoy, but himself is the reason and the purpose you're on this planet, for you to enjoy yourself in him and not just pleasures on this earth. Psalm sixteen and verse eleven, let's look over there. Psalm sixteen in verse eleven. You know the sad thing is a lot of church people put off the vibe that they're not enjoying their salvation. <laughs> they're not enjoying their redemption. They're a little grumpy. They're they're a little moody, and they're wondering why people don't want to be believers. Because if you say you're really experiencing God, there would be a different response. And some people almost preach the same way that God doesn't want you to enjoy yourself. He do not want you to have pleasure or satisfaction in your life. No, He just doesn't want those things to, to uh, have your life instead of Him. Also, He doesn't want you to have those things because He realizes once you go down that path to pleasure and satisfaction, it will lead to nowhere... And you'll be depressed and discouraged because you'll find out that's not what you really wanted in the first place. And so we see in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, you will show me the path of life. Notice, in your presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. And notice, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures. You should enjoy yourself in the presence of God. Notice, the fullness of joy in this life is not found in drugs. It's not found at a concert. It's not found in sex. It's not found in a new job. It's not found in a new car or new house. No, fullness of joy in this life, in the next, is in God's presence. Now, you can get temporary satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness in those settings, but at the end of the day, they will not bring you eternal satisfaction and and pleasure and joy. Only God's presence will bring that. But so he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We should enjoy, and it should be pleasurable to be in God's presence. It should be the thing that we can't wait to get in God's presence. So many people don't want to get in God's presence because they never really experience the joy and the pleasure of being in God's presence. So they're thinking, looking at you, it didn't look too fun to be in God's presence. Especially young people. They're saying, were you talking about your devotional life and your word time and your prayer time? You don't seem like you're having too much fun. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to spend time with God? Because if you do it right, it should bring you fullness of joy and pleasures that are eternal. And we need to be presence people. Anybody agree with me in the house? Now let's look back over at Matthew 27. I want to say this. You realize in the beginning, in Genesis, we're not going to turn over there, but when, when God created Adam and Eve, He created them for fellowship. Primarily. you got to reason, realize the reason God created man was fellowship, not worship. Now, worship's a part of it, but the primary thing is for fellowship. God created mankind for fellowship. For friendship, for intimacy, to spend time with you. That's why he created Adam and Eve. Not so he could just have a bunch of slaves or robots to run his planet. No. He created Adam and Eve for fellowship. And instead, they walked with each other in the garden. God walked with man, or he hung out with Adam and Eve in the garden. But notice what happened. Their fellowship, God's presence, left them because of sin. Now, we know that God wanted to keep spending time with them, but he couldn't because he's absolutely holy. And since God is absolutely holy, he can't come in contact with sinful man, or the man would die. And so we see that God separated himself from man, not because he wanted to, not because he wanted to leave Adam and Eve, but because a holy God and a sinful man cannot mix. He cannot do that to himself, so he had to do something to fix it. And that's when... the idea of sacrifices came about. And so in the Garden of Eden, they gave the first sacrifice to atone for their sin. But we see this in Exodus. This is Moses. And Moses was a friend of God. It said. Moses had fellowship with God. And Moses was called to build a place where God's presence could be. Now before Adam and Eve sinned, God's presence was everywhere. But when man sinned, God's presence left because there needed to be sacrifices for the sin that they had made. And we see, because God wanted to hang out with His people so much, He told Moses to build a tabernacle. Has anybody ever heard of a tabernacle? He built a tabernacle for God, for God to dwell in it so He could be with His people. Now we're going somewhere with this. So, Moses built a place. What did he build this place for? To host and for the presence of God to dwell in. That's the primary reason for God to build this tabernacle in the wilderness was so God's presence would be in the middle of his people. Now, if you do any study about this, they put the tabernacle in the middle of all the tribes on purpose. Notice they didn't put it on, on the the outskirts of the camp, they put it in the middle of the camp. Meaning, God wanted to be the center. I'm preaching, nobody's saying anything. God wanted to be the center of their life, not just an addendum, so they had to go to the outskirts of the camp to find God. No, God's presence wanted to be in the center and to dwell with His people. That's why God said, I want you to put the tabernacle right in the middle of where all you guys live. So God's presence would be with His people. Even though they were sinful, God's presence was with his people because of the tabernacle. And it says in Exodus 33, 14, this is Moses Moses speaking. and It says, Exodus 33, 14, it says, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 15, Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Notice that Moses' heart when God was telling them to move and to go into the promised land and to go take back the promised land that belonged to them, Moses was so attached to God's presence. He was so uh, excited about God's presence. He says, if you're not going, I'm not going. Can we take you with us? And God said, of course you can take me with you. I'll go with you. But notice that's his attitude, and that should be our attitude. God... If your presence is not going, I'm not going. I'm quiet in this Pentecostal church. If your presence is not in this relationship, I'm not going. If your presence is not in this job, then I'm not going. If your presence is not in this school that I want to go to, but you're you're not leading me to go to, I won't go. Because I want to go where your presence goes. And we need to understand that. We need to have this heart. And this is a man in the Old Testament that was experiencing the presence of God, but not like we do today. And he said, if your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. Do we have that heart to experience God's presence? What about every day spending time with God? Because a lot of us don't spend time with God every day. Let's just be honest in here. You don't have to say amen. This is true. A lot of us don't. Daily. As you're going without His presence. And a lot of us are okay with it. Stop being okay with it. When God has provided so much more for us, especially those who are living in this new covenant which we live in, we are selling ourselves short when we can have the presence of God in us and on us and through us and moving through us, and we settle for God's presence to barely be on. Even acknowledge God's presence in our lives. Now we realize, in, in one way, God's presence never leaves us, but it's different when there's a tangible presence of God on you. That presence is always in you, but it's not always on you. You picking up what I'm laying down so far tonight, because when you spend time with Him, His presence is not only in you, but it comes on you to do what you're called to do, and that's your choice we see that God's presence was in this tabernacle where Moses built, and let me tell you a little bit something about the tabernacle. Can we, can we get Portland Bible College with you for a second here? We can go there. There's the inner court, the outer court, and the Holy of Holies, okay? And by saying three. The inner court, the outer court, and the Holy of Holies. Now, people can hang out in the inner and the outer court, but the Holy of Holies was once a year to go in to God's presence. Now, the the reason I'm bringing this up is for a purpose, and we're going somewhere, so you've got to follow me. There's the inner court, the outer court, and the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is where they had the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody ever seen Indiana Jones? Okay, maybe you didn't read it in your Bible, but you've seen Indiana Jones. So we see that God's presence was in the Holy of Holies, and more specifically, in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where God's presence dwelled, and they are alone. But notice, under that old covenant, one person, one person on the planet, one person could go into the presence of God one time a year. That's it. Bummer for the rest of everybody on the planet. That's what sin did. One person could go into the presence of God one time a year. And not even for that long of a period of time. One time a year. To, to bring sacrifices on the Day of Atonement for all the people. In that day, the high priest would go in once a year to give sacrifices for the whole nation for the sins of the people. And he went in there, and a lot of times they would tie a rope around his ankle, so if he was in there doing something he shouldn't do, the holiness of God, he would drop dead and they'd have to drag him out. But we see that God in His grace and His mercy provided a way for God's people to receive forgiveness of their sins, even under the Old Testament. But notice, one person once a year can experience God's presence. We need to be thankful for the time we live in. <laughs> one person, one time a year, that's it, and I don't think it was a fun, joyful meeting at the time because he was giving sacrifices for the sins of the people. But there was a thing in the tabernacle that separated the inner and the outer court from the holy of holies. It was a veil or curtain. Y'all with Nobody went home, did you? And there's a reason that there was a, a curtain and it was. A the Holy of Holies from the rest of the people, but it separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of even the court and the court. And it was very thick. And it, and it surrounded the Ark of the Covenant so God's presence in a ways couldn't get out to the rest of the people. And you can look this up in, you, in your own study Bible, but they'll tell you the dimensions of the tabernacle and all the different things that were in the tabernacle and what are the measurements of everything. And it's, it's interesting if you really look it up. There's a reason there was a thick curtain or Father, what in the world? we got a new sound man tonight, so let's give it up for our sound man. He didn't do anything, though. He didn't do anything. That was powerful. That was a cool effect on my mind. But there was this thick curtain. There was this veil that separated God's presence from everybody else. Now stay with me. Let's look, look over at Matthew 27. Jesus is God, and He came to restore fellowship, or God's presence to His people. He came to restore that broken fellowship that Adam and Eve messed up. Jesus came to restore that. So, we see that Jesus now is our high priest, and this is what happened when Jesus paid the penalty of sin. In Matthew 27, and verse 50, it says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Behold, the veil of the temple was torn. Check out the reverb button. See reverb? Am I right? That was a tearing sound effect, like you said. That was a tearing sound effect. That was pretty cool. I'm into illustrated messages right now. out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Notice when Jesus paid the penalty for sin, what happened? Then behold, the veil of the temple, or the curtain, was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. Notice, that veil that separated God's presence from all of mankind was torn in two forever. And notice Jesus being our high priest He not only went in there and paid for the sins of all of us, but when He came out, He tore the the curtain or the veil that separated us from God's presence. So now there's nothing separating us from God's presence anymore because Jesus tore the veil or the curtain in two that hid God's presence from us. And we see that Jesus went in there, as God, and He restored fellowship or God's presence to His people now we live in that today, you don't realize what those people experienced for all those years. They didn't experience God's presence like you do. But what Jesus did, he tore the veil of the temple in two, from top to bottom. Now, the interesting thing about this that you need to understand is now the tabernacle had an elaborate veil or curtain, but later on, David and Solomon built a temple where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt now, the temple was a whole nother level from the tabernacle. It was a stationary thing that stayed in Jerusalem, and it was built of gold and precious stone and silver and all this stuff, and it was amazing. Huge building. And the curtain in that temple was a lot bigger than the curtain or the veil in the tabernacle. You want to know how big it was? The veil or the curtain in the temple was... High and 30 feet wide. And the curtain was four inches thick. That's how big this curtain that separated God's presence from all mankind was. 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, four inches thick. So realize no person could rip that. No bodybuilder could rip that. No power team could rip that curtain. 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. That's some thick curtain. And it says it was ripped from the top to the bottom. And and sometimes we read over stuff and we don't see the significance of it. Because some of of us have read over the Scripture and we don't see it. The significance of this, it was ripped from top to bottom, meaning God did it. It wasn't ripped from bottom to top because man couldn't do it. A man could not just get into God's presence by himself. God had to do it. That's why it was ripped from top to bottom. Because Jesus himself, though he was a man, he was God. And he rips the veil or the curtain that separated us from God's presence once and for all. And now, because of what Jesus has done, we can all experience God's manifest presence in our lives. We can all experience it on a daily basis basis you realize God tore up all of heaven in his son so we could have his presence in our daily lives I love this, when when Jesus came what did they call him? Emmanuel, God with us because God hadn't been with them in a long time to actually feel his presence or sense his presence and when Jesus came he was God with us, but he didn't leave us there It gets better. And the good news is, when He ripped that curtain or that veil, God's presence was available for all of us. And when we receive Him, His presence not only is on us, but it stays in us. That's a big deal. That God's presence is not in Jerusalem. God's presence is not just in a building. God's presence is on the inside of us. And if you you understand this, you are the New Testament Ark of the Covenant. All of us in here are ark's for the covenant because we dwell with the presence of God. The presence of God lives in us now and He never leaves us. That's why if you read in the New Testament it says your body is the temple or the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament it was in a building in a box in a place in the Middle East. But now you are the temple you are the tabernacle of God. Why? Because God is Dwells in you and with you now. His presence will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got to realize God forsook His Son so His presence will never forsake you. And now we are carriers of His presence. We don't have to carry an Ark of Covenant on our back like the Old Testament. We don't have to go to a certain place in a certain village and worship God. No, the presence of God is in us and we're carriers of His presence. But you've got to awaken and acknowledge the presence of God that's in you. Now I'm going to share three things with you real quick about the, the presence of God that's on you now. You've got to realize in the Old Testament the presence of God was exclusive. But in the New Testament or the New Covenant the presence of God is inclusive. Under that Old Testament or that Old Covenant one person Experience the presence of God one time a year. Under this new covenant, we can all experience the presence of God any time we want. And three things real quick about the presence of God now. It's for everyone. It's for any time. God's presence now is not for a certain type of person. It's for everyone. And you'll have to wait once a year to experience God's presence. It's for any time you want to experience the presence you can. And it's anywhere you go on this planet you can experience the presence of God. Psalms 139. Jesus, everywhere you go on the planet, you can experience God's presence. Anytime you want, day or night, you can experience God's presence. You know, you can experience God's presence when you're not at church. Shocker. That's a shocker. You can experience God's presence when you're in a club. Not to try to test that one out, but I'm saying, you can experience God's presence at a conference. Or fishing, You know you can when you're fishing. You can experience God's presence whether you're in a high mountain or on the sea. Wherever you are, you can experience God's presence because it's for everyone, anytime, anywhere. Now, let's look at Hebrews 4. This will be some of the last verse we talked about. Hebrews 4. Y'all still here? Still enjoying yourself? therefore come boldly to the throne of grace or God's presence that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And this is what I want to talk about as we close because a lot of us, when we are in sin or we do something dumb, we run from God's presence. And that's the opposite of what God wants you to do. But that's what we feel like doing. Why? Because sin makes us ashamed. It makes us guilty. And we understand Adam and Eve were the first ones to do that. What happened when they sinned? They hid from God. Why? Because they were guilty. They they were condemned. And not by God, but by their own conscience. And by the enemy. And the same thing will happen to us, but you've got to understand, notice it says, that we have a high priest, which is Jesus, who can sympathize with our weakness. Because he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Now that's encouragement because we don't have a high priest in Jesus that's condemning. We don't have a high priest in Jesus that that wants to judge us and treat us harshly, but it says he can sympathize or he's compassionate to what we're experiencing because why? He experienced the same thing when he was on earth. Though he didn't sin when he was here, but he experienced every temptation experienced everything you're experiencing right now. He experienced that. And He can sympathize or have compassion towards us because He's been through it. He knows, He says, what He wants us to do when we need help. Therefore, come boldly, not timidly, not like, I'm a horrible person, I'm guilty, I'm dumb. No, God says, I want you to come boldly to the throne of grace. Not judgment, not condemnation, not shame. The throne of grace, which is unmerited, unearned favor that Jesus earned for you. And God says, I want you to come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when you're in need, don't run from God. Run to God. Run to God. His presence is there for you. And He's compassionate towards you. Whatever situation you're going through right now, His heart is that you come to Him, not run away from Him. And why does He want us to come to Him? So He can give us help in our time of need. And the thing about God, He's such a gentleman, because if we don't admit that we're having a time of need, He's not going to step in and help us. If we don't come to God saying, I need help, He's not going to step in and force His will on us and make us do something or experience something that we haven't asked Him to do. But God says, if you need mercy and grace in time of need, come to me and I'll help you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to give you my wrath. I'm going to give you my help and my grace in time of need. God wants us to come to His throne Presence in the good times and the bad times. We feel like we had an awesome week. or We feel like we had the worst week of our lives. God wants us to come into our, His presence and those come boldly because it's available to us. It wasn't available to all those people in the Old Testament, but it's available to us today. And we can come into God's presence boldly. Why? Not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did. I love it says you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I've heard it said like this, they're not the same word. Mercy and grace is not the same, I meaning mercy's not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. But grace is getting what God deserves. So God not only wants to give you mercy not giving you the, the judgment that you, you deserve. He's giving you mercy. But He wants to give you grace, something you didn't earn, but His Son earned for you in your time of name. Let's look at Luke 10 and verse 41. Last verse, verse 12. 10 and verse 40, and this is one of my favorite passages. In Luke 10 and verse 40, it says, it's about Mary and Martha. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 41, and Jesus says, and said, Mary, or Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Verse 42, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Notice, Martha would not sit in Jesus' presence. She thought other things were more important than God's presence. But Mary chose to be in Jesus' presence and sit at His feet and hear the Word of God. And it says that Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I'm going to say this as we close tonight that God wants you more than He wants what you do for Him. And a lot of Christians will get in that mindset, especially if they've been in church a while, that it's all about what they do. So they're thinking more about their tithes and offerings ministry helps their church attendance, more than actually spending time with God. Now those things are important, but they're not the point. What do you hear what I'm saying tonight? God's presence is the most important thing. Now those things should be a byproduct of God's presence. Especially a lot of us even that have grown up in church, we're thinking more about what I have to do for God more than God wants me. And not just the things I do for Him. And God wants to spend time with you not just because you will do something for Him. Because He wants fellowship. He desires you to be in His presence. Something you need to understand that God wants to be with you more than you want to be with God. Do you understand that God wants to be with you more than you want to be with Him. Even the days you ignore Him, He still wants to be with you. Even the the weeks that you don't give Him much time, He doesn't hold it against you. He still wants to spend time with you. You know it's easy to hang out with somebody who wants to be with you? Isn't it? But God's that kind of friend that even when you don't want to spend time with Him, He still wants to be with you. He still wants your fellowship. That's what he wants more than what you do for him. That will change the way you approach your time with God when you realize, hey, God wants to talk to me more than I even want to talk to him right now. God wants to be with me even more than I want to be with him right now. It will make it easy to be in God's presence that way. He's not saying, are you really talking to me again? Do we have time for this? I'm running the universe at the moment. I really don't have time to hear your complaints about your parking spot. I don't have time for that. No, God's not like that. Some people imply He's like that. He's not like that. Whatever's important to you is important to Him. The thing about God is, He's God. He has time for everybody at the same time. You know, even His disciples, if you read in the Gospels, Jesus would say, He called them to be with Him before he called them to do things for him. And if you read that many times the gospel, it says that he called them to be with him first before he ever said, to Disciples, you go do this, this, and this. And that's where a lot of us are missing it. Because you won't have the anointing or the presence of God on you if you're not spending time with him before you go do the things he called you to do. In God's presence, in God's Fellowship, he wants that before you do something for him. Working for God is not the same as being with God. Working for God is not the same thing as being with God. Being with God should be our priority. And I realize we all have been in that mindset, or or we we miss it sometimes because we think it's more about I got to do this for God i do this for God. And God says, no, that will come eventually. But your priority is being with me. and you're being with me, it will outflow that you go do other things. Just like me before, I've, I've come out up here and preached and I've been studying all week and not spent as much time with God as I needed to be. And I can tell it when I preach. Because even though I'm studying, I'm doing something for Him. I maybe was reading a book for Him that was about Him. The priority is I need to be with Him before I work for Him. And that's what God wants for you. He doesn't want you just to work, 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 work. He says, I want you to be with me first. I want you to be in my presence first. You know, let's do one more passage in Psalms. taste and see that the Lord is good. Bless this man who trusts Him. You know, tonight as we close, um, in a minute, I want to do some worship and I want us to just be in God's presence. No agenda. No priority like you have to do this, this, and this. I want you tonight to taste and see that the Lord is good because maybe you haven't done that before. Or maybe you haven't done that in a long time. So, a second, we're going to turn the lights down low. We're going to play some worship, and I want you to talk to God. And be real with them. Be honest with them. If, you, if you're going through some stuff, be honest with them. It says, "Come boldly to His throne, that you can find grace and mercy to help." But be bold enough to say, "God, I don't want to experience Your presence, and not just tonight, but on a daily basis. I want to be a presence person that carries Your presence wherever." I go. So can, can we do that tonight? Can we be open and honest with God and experience His presence? You know, if we're honest with God and we acknowledge we need Him and that we want His presence in our life, He won't withhold anything good from us. He'll meet us when we ask and expect and pray for Him to move our lives. So praise team, can you come up and I want to sing Our God Reigns" Again?